Hi, and welcome to Showcast. I'm joined by Kadi de Bien de Mou. Kadi is an artist and live show designer, also known by the name of Push One Stop. Her recent project, Alter Ego, is a generative video installation reflecting on the use of social media and the rise of artificial intelligence. Join us in conversation as we discuss creating generative art, imposter syndrome, and the potential everyone has to be a great artist. I'm Kat Kemsley, and you're listening to The Notch Showcast. Hi, Caddy. Welcome to Showcast. Hi, Kat. Thanks for having me. It's very nice for asking. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you on the line today, as I've been itching to ask you about your new project, Alter Ego. But before we get into it, I think mm-hmm. we should probably take a couple of steps back to find out about how you became a practicing artist and live show designer. Um, sure. I know you've got an impressive resume, which spans many different mediums. Um, so what first got you into video? That's a, that's a long story, but I'll try to keep it short because <laughs> I have a, I have a strange background. Actually, I started, uh, as a journalist. I'm, uh, I'm from Canada. I'm from Quebec. Uh, Montreal. And um, yeah, I started my professional life as a journalist on TV. And this is where I actually learned how to do editing, how to video edit. And I just really loved it. I really like fell down the rabbit hole of doing post-production. And I just decided to quit journalism and, and go into that industry. And I started to do uh, VFX on films and advertising. I was doing compositing, what we called flame artists. And uh, yeah, as, at the same time, I just, I was doing video for producers, for DJs. Um, music has always been a big part of my life. And um, right from the beginning, I, I was a bit frustrated about how we used to do things like VJing. Um, you know, it wasn't really live. Everything was done before. And then we just, we would just kind of just play with the video. And, and I just didn't feel I could really express myself. So that's how I got interested into generative design, because I, I was told that maybe I could actually create my own tools to really be able to perform life. And um, this is where I started. I started learning processing and then shaders, touch designer, and most recently Notch. You have to know that I actually work with Notch with a, a company called uh, Silent Partners. And with Silent Partners, like, I mean, we, we've been working on, on a lot of projects. Their studio is amazing. They have great artists and we've been working on, on super cool projects with big artists such as Beyonce, Jay-Z on their last tour. We use Nush to create beautiful iMag looks. So yeah, Nush has been, uh, very present in my life in the past years. Mm. You kind of, you mentioned that you started off in journalism. How did you transition into these worlds? Oh, that's funny because I actually did an interview with a a woman that was working on Harry Potter. She was doing VFX. So I was a journalist at that time and she explained it to me uh, what kind of work she was doing in terms of VFX. And I just remember I had this huge revelation of wanting to do this because I just didn't know that compositing existed. So this girl was really nice to me and she just introduced me to a, a company called Technicolor um, to see if they could take me as an intern because you can't really learn that at school, right? It's, it's too specific. And uh, they were nice enough to just like have me there for a few months. Um, and then uh, I just started really like from scratch, like placing like stickers on top of DVDs. <laughs> 
Um, but I was really passionate about it. And I, at night I was working on flame and I was trying to learn it. I just thought it was such a great tool and, and I really just fell in love with it. Incredible. So, yeah. So putting, putting in the hours after dark as an intern. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> classic (laughs) I know that many artists especially ones which haven't necessarily been in artist training or studied it can suffer from imposter syndrome um was there a specific (laughs) moment that you you feel defined you as an artist oh for sure like the imposter syndrome is uh was really strong for me throughout all these years also for another reason not only because I've never been to school um to study art or electronics or coding or anything like that, but also as a woman, because it's, it's starting to change, but you know, I'm already 35. And when I started, I was 20 and it was just men, like, just like as a flame artist, there was no women in Montreal doing that. There was only two um, out of 50, let's say. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, so I felt that syndrome of, of an imposter for a while, but I would say that now I don't anymore because I, I understand that it really doesn't matter where you come from. No matter if you have like, I don't know, this master degree, you can be a great artist. You can be not a so great artist. Like it's, it's, it's all about having ideas and having things to say, stories to tell. So I don't feel like an imposter anymore. No, but yeah, for sure. It was there for for my twenties, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so was there was there a piece of work that made you kind of realize that yes, okay, I'm I'm now a full time practicing artist. Like this was a piece that was totally self driven. It wasn't for a client. It wasn't to meet a brief. It was yeah, self driven basically. Yeah, um, for sure. There is one that was quite uh, important for me uh, in my career. Is uh, is I did a performance uh, called Interpolate with. Um, Greg Debicki, an artist called Woog. It was uh, an immersive environment in a dome, beautiful dome, 210 degrees. It's very immersive. And that performance, I never thought it was going to go anywhere, but it ended up traveling a lot. And that's kind of like the performance that pushed me into uh, the world of electronic art. And a lot of your personal work is driven or inspired by data. Where's this interest Mm -hmm. sprung from? I guess I always been really interested about how it works online for people because technology is a huge part of our life right now. And sometimes I have to admit that just the reality is, is kind of weird because I'm, I'm so like, you know, attracted by my screen. Like I, I work with a screen. I have my phone. I have like, especially right now in confinement, you know, like, it's really difficult not to be swallowed by the digital world. And as much as I like it, I also like to criticize it and to really look at how we use it and, and, and how uh, we get influenced when we're there and what is true, what is not. Um, that's probably my journalist side, I guess. But uh, yeah, for me, it's very important to really look at it and to sometimes question how we act online. And your project Alter Ego is really throwing up some of these questions. <laughs> so let's let's paint a picture of the project. So cool. it's a generative artwork and it reflects on the use of social media and the rise of artificial intelligence. And um, this artwork, it reimagines the millions of images that are uploaded to Instagram every day as a computer-generated social media influencer. So 
a lot of really interesting elements that make <laughs> up this piece technically and conceptually. Um, Thank you. The title Alter Ego is also is really fitting for this piece, um, this Grecian idea of the other self. And I can see how it fits into the Instagram and social media culture and that whole narrative. Yeah, for sure. Generally, when you're developing a new art piece, what's your process? Is there a concept that catches your attention that you then go down a research rabbit hole? Or are you more drawn to a, a technical process that you'd like to explore? For me, it's always about the concept, first of all, um, because that that's really what is the difference between art and design, for example. As much as I love designing, when you design, it's about aesthetic. Uh, but in art, it's about telling something showing something, expressing something. So for me, it always starts with what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to express. And and that was the, the thing with Alter Ego. I was I was searching. I love to to research, to investigate and um always try to imagine ways to express a reality or, or show a different reality and or look at it a different way. So that's that's really starts with that. And then the technical part comes after, for sure. Very quickly it comes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, technical is, is secondary for me. We've had some interesting conversations at Notch HQ about what defines something as art. And um, it was an in-depth conversation slash debate <laughs> um, between the whole team. And we all found common ground in the idea that intentionality plays an important role in identifying arts from fortuitous beauty. Um, how would you define this in generative arts? I think generative art is a form of art by itself because there's desire, there, there's this intention, as you said, or desire to create something that is autonomous, to create a system that kind of have this life by itself. And that's been the case since the beginning of generative art. But for sure, it can be quite close to design as well. But the concept itself of creating an artwork that will grow or that will be living by itself, that if you stop and restart, will never show you twice the same thing, is very interesting. And for some people, it's considered as art. Yeah. With this project, with Alter Ego, what was your original motivation behind creating it? My vision. <laughs> mm, yeah, what was your uh, vision? <laughs> the, the original idea um, was actually around the desire to see what people are posting for real, you know, no matter their age, their location, their gender. I wanted to see what people are really sharing without the algorithms of Instagram that are choosing for us. Because... As you know, probably how Instagram works is that the network is driven by the use of artificial intelligence that propose uh, personalized, customized content for us in order to encourage what they call engagement. And what this basically means is that they propose content for you based on the data that they have about you. And God knows they have a lot of data about you to spend as much time as possible on the platform. And me, I just wanted to bypass that. I wanted to see what people are posting for real. So the way to achieve it was actually to catch what people are posting in real time based on the tags that these people are attaching to their posts. So as soon as I created that little uh, photo scraper, if I can call it, uh, and that I was able to see, you know, from a bigger picture, the hundreds 
thousands of images that people were posting at the same time, I quickly realized that there were some trends, you know? We can observe a lot of similarities in the content that the people are posting because Instagram, it's a really good uh, example of these phenomenons in psychology called social validation and social comparison. So social validation, what is it? It's a phenomenon where one person, one individual will follow or conform to the action of others within a group. And social comparison is the theory that... Um, you would determine your own social or personal worth based on how you stack up against others. So as a result, humans constantly evaluate themselves across domains such as attractiveness, wealth, intelligence, and success. So yeah, Instagram really plays on that. And it's taking advantage of these phenomenons in human psychology. So my installation, Alter Ego, is basically kind of a way to raise the awareness of these phenomenons of social validation and social comparison, or at least it allows you to witness, uh, to witness the phenomenon on a different scale. Like you said, there is so much data being collected mm -hmm. from Instagram and it's almost untapped in that sense because it's all managed by their internal AI. Totally. So we are quite limited in terms of all this, all this information that's being posted there and we're actually only seeing what has been handpicked for us. Totally. And for example, like you, if you like design, probably your Instagram is, is, has a lot of beautiful artworks and If somebody is into um, sports, there could be a lot of um, training stuff. Like it's it's really hard to really see what's what's on Instagram, and that's that's why I wanted to create something like this because um, I wanted to see what people are posting for real. You know, I I don't just want to see beautiful people and content that the AI think I want to see. Were there any surprising results when you started? sifting through this this data using the uh, this bit of code for sure like i said there's a lot of trends it's it's quite obvious that uh, women are posting way more than men like i know that uh, it's pretty even in terms of users like i think it's half and half like in terms of uh, of the gender of people that are using instagram but uh, in terms of content there's way more content posted by women um a lot of content is oriented uh, around I would say the cult of the body, a lot of content is, is, is really uh, um, towards that. And there's also a lot of animals. We can tell quite fast that we like animals, <laughs> especially cats. <laughs> But yeah, these things are, are very like striking. When you start streaming the, the feed, you really start to realize that people are basically posting all the same thing. And it's a bit disturbing. But at the same time, it's also beautiful to see that no matter if you're from Japan or India or Canada, like you, you're interested in the same thing, same subjects. And, and that's why the, the artwork is actually using the most popular hashtags, such as love. Love is the most popular hashtag on Instagram or beautiful. And how, how did you figure out what was, what were most popular? Actually, it's very easy. They are uh, quite open about what's the most popular hashtag. So if you look online on Google and you check uh, most popular hashtag, they will give it to you pretty much right away. 
I remember when I first started using Instagram, I was like, oh, you can hashtag things. I was like, okay, like maybe I'll make this hashtag. And I'm like, oh, only one person's ever used it before. Great. I'm so original. That's fantastic. You know, yeah. uh, that was my goal when I started. Um, so cute. I like your style. <laughs> That's I realize that's not how the algorithm works. It, that, nope. it does not work in my favor in that sense. Um, when you were experimenting with this, were you kind of tempted to, you know, have a bit of fun with the hashtags you were searching, perhaps search your name or, you know, projects that you'd been on to see what comes up? Not really, honestly, because I'm not on Instagram. I've never been really attracted by, uh, by, by this. So, um, I didn't look for, for me. <laughs> or anything like that. But of course, I've checked a lot of hashtags. Like I was curious to see what people would would show for just like a, you know, regular hashtag such as night. But it's funny to see what people are saying about their photo because these hashtags are actually what people are, are attaching to their post, you know? And sometimes they attach hashtag that maybe I would have not chosen. Like, for example, like streaming love, I got at some point some gun images, like lots of guns and, and weapons. And I was like, okay, wow. like, oh, that's okay. not sure I would put the hashtag for it, but <laughs> who am I to judge? But yeah, it's, it's for sure very interesting. So you got two very different kind of things that are appearing then. One, which is that there's this kind of unity in a lot of people posting the same things. But then there's also that level of it's not all the same, you can have something that's completely polar opposite to what you would associate with that word. And you developed the bit of code with a friend of yours, Mitchell Bundy, and this code cherry-picked specific images with specific hashtags. How did you come to the conclusion that you'd need a piece of code to make this process work? Because the way that Instagram works right now is that you're kind of looking at the past. So it's it was already filtered by Instagram. And what is good about Instagram, it's because it's such an, a popular application, they actually have a public API. So it was kind of like an open door for me to use it because it's fully legal to use the, the API of Instagram and catch these images. But the thing is, it's important to not store any data, which is, I will mention the case here. I'm not storing any images or any data. Um, because I wanted to, to create a particle system, like a beautiful cloud of hundreds of people's photo. I wanted to be able to have like massive numbers of, of photos at the same time. So that software is really creating uh, grids of hundreds of photos that are then sent to touch designer that acts like the media server. If you want, it really handles the data. And once the grids are formed, it's sent to Notch that handles the graphic side that uses the grids to create these beautiful clouds of images. And yeah, I wanted to really create something that is beautiful, graceful, organic. It was important for me to respect the people that are posting to make sure that, to make sure that I'm not making fun of anybody and that it's not biased, you know? And so the process is, so you've sourced all these images using this bespoke bit of code from the public API. Mm-hmm. And then um, you use Touch Designer to import these masses of, of files, these media yeah. files in real time. Um, and then Notch then interprets that data from uh, Touch Designer and yeah. uh, creates a particle system. And then the next step is then it kind of, these images can reform as another image, which is an imagined image of an Instagram influencer. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually the 
the visual inspiration it's the ma the main thing is is like i said artificial in intelligence and uh it's just another aspect of instagram that we didn't talk about yet but for sure like we cannot like skip it it's the influencers you know the advertising i've worked in advertising and one of the things that really struck me when i started to stream uh, the images is that it was really difficult to tell what was advertising content and what was not. You know, most of the advertising today is now hidden in the content that influencers are posting. And it really is the dream for every advertising agency, you know, to have access to a system that completely blurs the content between commercial and other content to be able to influence, you know, to sell things to people that maybe they don't really need. And for sure, through the help of these algorithms of artificial intelligence, they're able to target certain users and influence our behavior and even influence the whole experience of social media. And it was really my inspiration for the visual design. I thought it would be super cool to create AI influencers and um, yeah, to create these uh, images of, uh, of faces uh, generated by AI. I used um, this model called GAN. It's available online uh, for, for any artist that wants to use. And it's available through different platforms such as Runaway ML, which is a really good one, a really easy one to use. And what is really funny about that AI model is that it was trained by the internet. So what is available on the web when you search for human? Images of celebrities. So in the end, it's perfect because it's only creating images of beautiful people, exactly like the influencers on Instagram. And uh, I guess another important thing to note is that these, these faces are built up of the color pixels from all the Instagram photos that's been selected. Yes, they are. And thanks to Notch, because that's Notch that is able to allow you to do these things. And I was really surprised, I got to say, how easy it was for me to achieve that look. And speaking about it now that it's complete as a, mm -hmm. as a concept, as an art piece, it's quite intimidating the amount of work that makes this artwork basically and to have it run in real time and to constantly be feeding data and and generating this new content as well it's it's a lot of work but um honestly i i think it's really simple if you look at it like if i was describing my notch setup like it's it's pretty basic it's just a particle system some optical optical flow turbulence a factor curl noise like most of the work was really around the concept about really creating the data, how to have access to that data from Instagram. And once it's done, it's, it's pretty much just designing the result and, and Notch has beautiful tools to do it easily. And how did you combine, um, Notch and GAN together? Actually, the GAN are not generated in real time. It's really important to mention it. No, no, no. That would be, uh, pretty crazy to do it. There would be ways to do it for sure. But um, right now, the way to access uh, artificial intelligence model, you need servers. You need to have access to massive amount of servers. And um, that would be too difficult to, to generate in real time. So if I've generated before a big amount of phases and then it runs into touch designer. Yeah. Yeah. And the result is incredible. It's so well, beautiful. You. And so it's much. just really, I can see how you could get completely immersed in the same way that you can get immersed scrolling for hours on Instagram. You could get completely immersed in watching 
all these images streaming live and then them building up into this other image, which, you know, just does look like um, a real person who you would see on Instagram. And with this, um, with this piece of code that you've written, when it is in a gallery space, it can just endlessly generate, right? Totally. So you, yeah. you can set it up and leave it and it can be in that space for however forever. long it's been commissioned to be there. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah, it could be there forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like there, there's nothing that stops it. Like right now, I, I like the format of having three screens and vertical, vertical, because it looks a little bit like a, like a phone, you know, like our smartphones. But I don't want to restrict the format to the installation. It could be a massive wall. It could even be VR. You know, that's what is great with doing generative design is that you can, you know, it's just changing the camera. <laughs> that's all. So that's, that's quite amazing. Um, but yeah, my, my recommended format is really to have three different screens. And I actually switch the hashtags through the day. It's really impossible to have the same result twice because like I said, I'm using modifiers and a lot of tools uh, in generative to, to make it very dynamic. And I also can change the hashtag if I want. So for example, if a festival is interested in having this tag or this tag, I, I can do it. If, but I don't want the user to kind of like play with it. I tried and I just realized that it was not relevant enough. It was not adding anything to the concept. Yeah. I mean, you could see parts of this project being really commercially popular and have you found many people approaching you with artworks that you've seen and asking them to be kind of repurposed and redesigned for like a commercial event sometimes it happens it's true yeah i do have sometimes people that comes for a commission usually i always propose them to do something a bit different than the artwork that i'm doing because it's important for me to not associate with any brand or any company, you know, I really like to stay independent, but I'm never close to work with, uh, with anybody, frankly. It's just depend who it is. What's the purpose? What's the reason behind it? Videos gradually found its place in museums and galleries. What is the process of getting a piece of generative art into a gallery? Do you have to fight a bit harder than a conventional or, or a traditional watercolor? painting i think so yeah i think it's a bit more difficult for um for video as much as it's more difficult for photography as well so if you're, if you're looking to get your artwork into a gallery what's your process there well the first thing in art is to have contacts is about knowing people um i was lucky lucky enough while i was traveling to meet a lot of uh curators and that's pretty much how you do it you know but sometimes as well, just like I have people that are contacting me on my website that I don't even know of because some people are doing a lot of research online for artworks. There's not like, you know, this agency that is going to represent you. Like for some artists, there is some agencies that are, you know, representing artists like me. But I never was interested in, in having such agency. I really like to keep my independence and as an artist in the digital age, why do you think physical artworks are of importance? I think it's important, especially the more we dive into this digital age, the more it's important to kind of come back to the real world because it's easy to kind of feel, I would say, agitated by being always online. And, and I speak by experience, like sometimes I can spend like massive hours in, in front of my computer and I do feel agitated after. So to get outside of the house, 
to go in a in 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 an art center or a museum and to see physical artworks it's it's a totally different experience like as much as our technologies are advancing there's nothing that beats that right now there's nothing that beats a show like there's nothing else than being with other people and watching a show all together and i think being in confinement right now is also it, it makes us reflect a lot as well on on that side yeah agrees looking forward to uh, to being able to go out to a big fat rave when this is over <laughs> <laughs> me too damn <laughs> so oh. Caddy. I know that you've been a mentor for quite a few creative schemes and residencies aimed at digital artists and video artists. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into this world? Oh, that's good. Um, I would say, don't be scared. Um, try everything you can. Don't judge. Stay open. Uh, don't be scared to, you know, jump into another software that you don't know or to try to learn about this coding or like me, I never had any background in coding and, and I was able to do it. It's, it's always a bit scary when you start, but as, as soon as you're in, it gets easier and, and just trust your instinct and, and go have fun. You know, that's, that's what it is in the end is it, it's about the heart, you know, it's what's in your heart. It's not what's in your brain. And, um, and that's what I would, I would suggest. Yeah. To try to stay open and, to not be scared. That's great advice. Thank you. Well, today's flown. I knew it would fly by. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> about time. Thanks so much for taking the time out to have a chat with me today. It's been fascinating. And um, thanks to you. Yeah. It was really nice. Thank you, Kat. I'm, I really appreciate your ask. And I love Nodge. I think it's a great software. And I wish that more people uses it and the artist gets, gets to really dive in, you know. Thanks so much, Caddy. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. You can view photos and videos from Alter Ego on our website at notch.one forward slash showcase. If you want to check out more from Caddy, head over to our website, pushonestop.com. That's all for season two, but we'll be back soon with new design stories. If you have a project you'd like to talk about, then make sure to share it using the Instagram hashtag MadeWithNotch. Thanks for listening.